0: said, I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Day One. Um, We're fairly young, um, just getting up to a year now, but we are a community and fellowship program for early stage founders. So we support founders um, in their early days of their journey through kind of everything that you need as you're building foundations. Um, We do that through fellowship programs and and a broader community. So very excited to be just riffing on how the model for supporting founders between institutions like human and Techstars and and what we're building and and others are are evolving and um yeah and what it's like to be an early stage founder all all the different ways
1: sweet and uh heather tell us more about you and your awesomeness (laughs) gosh
2: well thanks alba for having me uh big fans of both TechStars and day one so I run human ventures which is a startup studio and venture fund in New York City and you know it was really born out of the um the need of having community around starting companies you know it's it's not a, it's a lonely journey a lot of times and so you know when we started human in New York the competition was really starting it in your living room by yourself and so with human you have a peer group of entrepreneurs who are building. um, We invest in early stage all the way up to to series A, and we invest in what we call the human needs economy. So health and wellness, future of work and one's livelihood, um, uh, community-driven businesses. We're big fans of day one. I worked with Andrew closely for quite some time. Andrew um, built and designed the business design uh, function within human, and it was a great joy for him to be able to spin out and start his company uh to be able to continue that journey uh working with founders yeah. so
0: many intellectual and dna overlaps yeah <laughs> day one would not be here without human ventures absolutely
2: it's exciting that there's so many opportunities for uh, founders starting companies now you know there's there one size doesn't fit all, right? Everybody has different, different needs and it's easier than ever to start a company now, but it's harder than ever to really get traction and win. So, um, so community and support is so needed in those early days.
1: Yeah. And for, and for context, uh, if you read the description of this event, it was leaders from a startup studio, a founder fellowship and an accelerator walk into a bar what do you want to know and so uh this is this is meant for all of you we've got a couple of things that we might talk about in and between just because we we see so many startups and ideas even uh, and so feel free to raise your hand and, and and ask us whatever you want this is meant to be low key low pressure come talk about uh you know what's top of mind for you uh, and otherwise you know I, i've got a couple of questions to to ask you right so um Andrew, I've seen the rise of founder fellowships a lot more recently. Um, people on LinkedIn are sharing it and people part of all these other cool fellowships. But how do you define that? What does that really mean? And what do you get out of it? And I'll ask the same to Heather about the difference between that and the start.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, I think that... Heather mentioned sort of the the real impetus for all this. Um, I guess it's maybe twofold. You know, I think there's two trends coinciding that make fellowships really exciting, or just even the sort of broader model of community-based um, ways to build a startup. So one is that yeah, there's so many more different, diverse types of founders, and you know, it could have been said for the last five years, ten years that. Um, it's getting easier to build. Um, I think that's just continuing to compound, whether it's different ways to distribute your products, whether it's easier ways to build and prototype and test, whether it's just content and communities that are out there and always available. So yeah, there's definitely more people in the startup game. And they're coming from all different places. and They're coming from all different parts of the world. They're building different types of businesses. It's no longer moonshot or bust when it comes to building your startup. In fact, it's, it's not even that binary, right? You can build a bootstrapped slow growth business and then raise venture. There's just no more like one path fits all and one path is even right. And so you have all this new entrepreneurial energy, sort of a wave that's just growing and cresting at the same time, um, mixed with the fact that um, you, uh, you know, VC is is evolving, the asset class is evolving, right? I, I, definitely keen to kind of hear how heather's kind of seen this from like much deeper inside the the ecosystem but um but venture as a support structure is only it's only been a few things right so how can those two how can the supply and demand meet and i think fellowships are basically trying to do that right trying to meet this like much broader bigger swath of founders and delivering different sizes of support you know whether that's the 10-week program whether that's the two-week Two two day boot camp, right? Whether that's the four week thing, like what the Alt MBA has become, right? There's all these different flavors and price points and and sizes, and so and so yeah, it's a little bit of a wild west right now, right? Uh, there's a lot of different versions of of these different programs, and I can't tell are they going to shake out into a few different modalities? Are we all going to, um, or is it just going to be again like a continuum almost of different opportunities? It's a uh, it's definitely the early days, so we'll see where it goes.
1: Andrew, you. might You mentioned uh, Alt MBAs, just wanna make sure we we, we break it down for people in the audience. Is that a product? Is that a type of thing? Uh, What do you mean? Yeah,
0: so the Alt MBA is definitely a brand. So it's Seth Godin's um, course, Seth Godin, the marketer, um, um, author, and it's a course that he has launched, not recently, it's been around for a bit. And before cohort-based courses and cohort-based programs and fellowships like Day One or On Deck, were Got even a thing. It. You had you had the Alt MBA. It's about four or five years old, and so uh, I kind of see them as the like the, the the start even of these like new types of of educate and it, it is education, but it's very practical, hands-on education. It's not education in the in the classroom setting. So so yeah, Alt MBA a thing very much kind of started off. I think kicked off a lot of what we're seeing today.
2: Yeah, I'd argue that you know there's Alt MBA and then there's there's what Andrew's is doing with these fellowships. You you can't really learn the stuff in school. You know you can't learn to be an entrepreneur in school. I used to always like my father was an entrepreneur, my grandfather was an entrepreneur, and they used to always say, uh, so much of it was you know school, hard knocks, and like understanding how you're colliding with the market and what the needs are, and you can't do that necessarily in a spreadsheet. I mean it's much more sophisticated now where you know what milestones you need to hit and you need to to really uh, you know build. You know, a product that's needed, and understand those indicators of, of your product being a fit in the market. But um, but really, it's like the intangible skills of you know the risk tolerance and having the grit and persevering and understanding what your customer needs and all of that. It's hard to get in a normal school. So I do love these new platforms that allow for people to test out. You know, am I an entrepreneur? Is this something I want to do? Do I have to go all in? Can I have a job and do this as my side hustle? Uh, it's really great for the, the innovation economy, I think, uh, all these new schools popping up.
1: Yeah, it reminds me of pioneer.app, which is a another cool, not just practical, sorry, not just theory-based uh, way of doing stuff, but practical. And I, I mean, I love it, right? Like, as someone who's been at Texas for three years, but Texas has been around for 13 years, like, I'm looking at going, wow, this is cool. Like anyone that wants to help founders build more great ideas, I'm down for it. And it builds community as well that I think you're all doing uh, such a good job of. But I'm starting to feel like a moderator, but I'm really not meant to be. We're just talking. Heather, tell I me know. more about you. And what, makes, <laughs> what makes this different? Like why yeah. uh, why are you just not just another VC? Like it's so interesting. I'm looking at the site. I've definitely heard about it before and I and I know you, but like I'm looking at it going, this is very purposeful. So can you tell us?
2: Huh. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, well, I think one thing that we're starting to see is that the pre-seed market is becoming more institutionalized. And what I mean by that is the funding rounds um, have co- become more granular and understanding where your company is and what level of financing you need at, at what point in the validation period has gotten to be a lot more Sophisticated or efficient, and so um, when we started Human Ventures, it was really a, a, what we call a startup studio where you would bring it. We would bring in entrepreneurs. They would ideate. They um, would really test their ideas, and then um, and then we'd help launch them. We had a team of operators that would help launch the businesses, and this has become definitely become um, more commonplace because uh, just having more operational expertise around the table from the beginning can set up companies in a much more sophisticated way and go on that trajectory, you know, in, in a faster growth, growth way. So we just institutionalize that process. And now we do what we call, um, we call a, our entrepreneur in residence program is called Humans in the Wild, where we will take founders and we take usually 10 to, to 12 founders, uh, thematic, thematic Cohorts who are building in areas right now. We have an incredible cohort of entrepreneurs in health and wellness building in health and wellness. And it's a hundred days sprint to to really accelerate their uh, their trajectory. And they haven't taken institutional capital yet. It's ideating, it's making sure that there's real product out in market and that we can add measurable value to those companies in the beginning before they have to go on the venture financing route, which I think is really needed. You know, the nomenclature of just raising a million dollars raising a million and a half it's become too uh, glorified and i think you really want to make sure that you have a business there before you raise that capital
0: oh my gosh one of the things but,
1: that i so we're, just feel getting, that like... we're getting a little bit of background noise just so, just so you know head up. Uh... oh okay hopefully this is better
0: no what i was just going to jump in and just like build because as i mean I feel startup studios I mean I'm very partial I got my start there like <laughs> um, like human is is just the best but the the ideas of of a startup studio pulling the pieces together around every stage of the journey is just like novel right it's mind-blowing and it kind of leans into this reality that started building is freaking hard, right? And there's, there's a lot, a lot of value to be added to founders at every single stage from like the zeroth step of things all the way down and everything Heather said. And so as just like a student of the process, it's just fascinating to think about sort of where the value add is, what those common challenges are, how do you support a founder or all founders who are a little bit different, but also facing these similar challenges and, um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely felt like one of the bigger innovations I've seen in terms of VC, the way platforms have gotten, you know, more, you know, platform teams have grown and become more compelling. It's just like, the, the whole thing kind of put together, <laughs> right into into one format. And, mm. and I think really kind of doesn't end around into like a lot of the VC uh, ecosystem.
2: Can I ask you, Andrew and Saba, can I ask you guys, what um what are the most exciting areas that you're seeing? Because you both see founders really early. What are the most exciting areas that you're seeing people build in, uh, in the most nascent stages?
1: The first thing that comes to mind, Heather, is, and I, I won't say this is my favorite or it's the most common one, but it, it was just a realization where I'm like, wait, why are there so many founders pitching me VC tools and founder tools? And just trying to optimize my work. I'm like, I don't need more. And then I'm like, wait, hold on, like that's bias. I don't need it like as a VC, cause I get a lot of deal flow. I'd argue the biggest deal flow in the world, but founders still struggle to figure out how to connect to the right investors. And I was like, hold on, I should be supporting these tools that make it easier for founders to run their business because building a startup is hard, like Andrew said. And th- that reminded me of a tweet that, you know, went viral of mine uh, a couple of weeks ago that has over 4,000 likes. Um, and I just retweeted it. Like, that's, I think that's what keeps coming up. Building a startup is hard. And so uh, anyone that's helping startups through, through finance or technology and tools and, and programs, we used to see it as it's oversaturated, but it's happening because it's a cry from founders saying, it's still very hard. Like, make it easier for me, which is why I love, you know, all the different types of programs that are going on right now uh, you know, Texas has 45 programs, but also day one, like Andrew, I'm so shocked that you just started another program again, Like I feel like you just emailed saying, Hey, I'm starting <laughs> class one and you have to class two now. And I'm like, that's badass." So that's one area, right? Like, so founder tools in general for, for connecting. I've got a couple more about Andrew.
0: Yeah. And we're actually rolling out class three on Sunday and, it's class three? I
1: think in... it was class two.
0: <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, yeah. It's um it's uh I I I'd love to even like go into that ride, but that's not the question. I um he, honestly here's something I think really is really fascinating. Um and we've seen a lot of this in, in day one is um so this you know the creator passion maker economy is absolutely sort of hot right now, right? It, it kind of goes without saying, but I think that's I, I get really excited about it, like past all the hype. Um, the idea that people can kind of take what they, their latent knowledge, experiences, um, connections, insights, whatever it might be, and turn those into wh- whether they're revenue streams, whether they're full-fledged businesses, whether they're side hustles, or even just like other outlets to help other people. I'm super here for, <laughs> for all the different platforms. But what I'm also seeing, besides just the platforms, like the next version of, of well, you know, you had Udemy, and now you have um, Maven, a, a platform that's that's building a platform to create cohort-based courses. It's very meta, but it's happening. But what I'm seeing is is individuals just saying, "I don't need a platform. I'm going to create the cohort-based course community around my niche thing." So I'll give you I'll give you one example. Um, there's a fellow coming into our, our founder coming into our. Cohort three, our incoming cohort, and she was first trying to build a um, platform, a marketplace to match up pet parents with pet services. Standard idea, pretty good idea, right? Like you're a new pet parent, where's your grooming? Where do you go for the vet? Like all the different things you might you might care about. Where's training? But what she realized was it's a there's a stronger sort of product market or at least problem solution fit to create a cohort based program for new pet parents. Get all the the pet parents who just got that new pup who need to both like learn how to train them, learn how to live with them, kind of want to commiserate, ask questions and get everyone together into a I don't know what she's going to decide, 10 week program, 12 week program, ongoing community, whatever it might be. But she's moving away from a model that like, you know, the hot Airbnb marketplace model into a cohort-based kind of productized community information products network type of hybrid and and I've seen that all over the place. People doing that for these very non-traditional things like being a pet parent, for for making career transitions, for really kind of everything that you could use as like your life journey. So I'm excited for that. And if, if that's something you're working on, like tell me about it because I think we're gonna see this proliferation continue.
2: I love that. I am so with I am so here for that. I you know when we talk about um, the areas that we're investing in, health and wellness, future of work, those are very you know, commonplace. This Andrew, what you're just talking about, the community aspect, it's what's emerging right now. And the business models for community are emerging. But, you know, it's really like Facebook groups is probably one of the most powerful parts of Facebook that's so underutilized. I mean, it's definitely utilized, but it's under, under monetized probably. And I think that people have now unbundled that and they're thinking about how are you creating many to many groups because uh, WhatsApp is definitely um you know a component of it but then how are you paying for memberships how are you um, being matched with other cohort members the technology that's going to be the rails for community-based uh platforms is is absolutely going to just blow up and i think we're starting to see early early um rumblings of it but you know definitely not the the biggest network of networks yet out there that's working so um i love that you're you're bringing that up i'm obsessed with this as well
1: yeah, I, lo- I love uh, something you said earlier, Andrew. Um, you know the way I, I boil it down about community is that you can't have immu- immunity from it without it. You're just lines of code, and so that was a really good example. And the pet tech uh, company that you mentioned, Then um, Heather, I, I, I don't know if you know what this is, but I just got access to Hotline. Do you know what that is?
2: Amazing. I don't. I don't it's, know
1: this. Uh, it's it's Facebook's new clubhouse competitor and so i'm going to be doing oh, it at, yes. this weekend but you know i think a lot of people wow. are like oh wait facebook grew you know when clubhouse came out it was like oh wait facebook should have been doing this a while ago through 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 audio and, and the answer is they are doing it and so i totally agree with yeah. you like my way of having community early on was with Facebook groups itself. So,
2: well, let's do uh, one. You wanna, you wanna hook us up on Hotline?
1: <laughs> are we allowed to talk yeah, about that here? Are they,
0: are they gonna shut this down? I mean, I don't know.
1: <laughs> I feel like I get no, punished right. every time I mention Twitter Spaces, and I do it every time I do it. So I think, <laughs> uh, but you know, like I'm it, an independent, I- uh, unbiased human being. You know, so I can't help.
2: That's that. what they want, right? They want that on the clubhouse. I mean, I think it's it's really important that the behavior is normalized. I think for all the platforms. So. It's ultimately a yeah. good thing.
1: Yeah. So, so look, I want to go back and just start at the basics. Uh, Andrew, sorry, if you want to, if you want to continue on this, on this. No, I process. was
0: probably going to get us to that same place. I was thinking the same thing as you are.
1: Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, we're going to talk about pizza. Is, was that it? No. Okay. <laughs> Bad idea. Um, we have an idea, right? Like you have an idea. You're a founder. Where do you take it? What do you do? Uh, how do you validate it? Who do you talk to? Like. Again, hand raising is open, feel free to come on up if you have a specific question or wanna share something you did that worked for you. Otherwise, uh, we'll go to Andrew first and then Heather. Like, in 30 seconds, like what is the first thing that you recommend founders do um, when they've got an idea?
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's what I was gonna get back to. Like, man, when, when like what are the common challenges? What are the common needs that every founder faces? That's one of the things that I just, yeah, we just live for. Um, so here's my simple, uh, uh, you know, in the world of Clubhouse, you have to have the soundbite. It's put it on paper, right? And the second you have an idea, it just needs to come out. And whether that means you write it down in your notes app first, that's a good start, right? But it needs to sort of come out into its component forms, right? Ideas have structure, or at least business ideas, rather, have structure, right? And startup ideas have structure. It's, It's, you know, it's a little more... Detailed or or structure. or there's a a little more um, specificity to what that structure is, right? Bootstrap ideas have different structures, side hustle ideas have a different structure. And so, first getting it out um, and then thinking through what are these component parts, I'm not going to like start rattling them off right now, but having some thoughtful frameworks around, okay, what are the pieces of this idea will go will immediately make something real, right? And now you're now you're cooking with gas because you can do so much once it's real. You can share it, you can talk about it, you can prototype it, you can get feedback, right? Um, and ideas die in the dark. So if you don't put it out there, it will die in your head in the dark <laughs> and you'll
1: be nowhere. Heather, what do you do first once you've got an idea?
2: I mean, I see the world in terms of people. So I always say, you know, go talk to people who you feel are smarter than you about these different ideas. And, um, and, See if you can gather, you know, see if you can gather uh, so, some questions, ask, just be infinitely curious. We, we say something internally at Human Ventures, like we have a of the big idea. The, the idea is nothing. It's really the people who bring it to, to life. And you, you should just completely start testing and colliding with the market as soon as you possibly can, because ideas, like you said, ideas will die in the dark. Uh, Andrew, I think that's right. It's like, uh, there has to be something that builds off of it. And so for me, it's it's really testing it and and talking to people and and figuring out if there's a need, figuring out if there's a customer. And Andrew can really speak to the science of figuring out the need. Um, We did this several times and we would bring founders in who had five ideas and we'd kind of whittle them down to three and then two and test one and then ultimately start building one. Um, Maybe Andrew, you can,
0: yeah, I mean it's it's so real the reality that ideas are cheap. The big idea, right? It's about those motions, right? And it's about uncovering like, are you a fit? Is this is it both the quality? I don't know. Like I almost hesitate to say the quality of the idea because ultimately it's it's there's so much more to it, right? I, the idea is a seed, and the seed quickly becomes something else, right? As it's growing, and mm-hmm. and yeah, the person behind it, um, what. I would say if I had to pick my number two thing, it's it's yeah, you get you as the founder, as the person with an idea, get on your bike, right? Get doing something. Talk to those people is usually the first thing. Um, and you will start to see really fast if you're a fit for this idea, if you even care enough to keep going, if you're like actually interested in these customers or you're like, ew, no, I don't like what I'm hearing, finding, I don't like the hustle. Um, or if you start to keep, if, if the momentum's there, if the things are exciting, if you, if you're getting positive feedback, um is the is are you the right fit and then is the idea the right fit right is there something is there a there there so yeah there's so much to be found out about the person as a founder but only by doing right ideas Mm -hmm. die in the dark and then businesses die when they when they stand still (laughs) so i'm pumped for people to be up on stage oh hey (laughs) terry i I saw william and josh too but what's up uh it's really cool to see uh i'm excited to, to dive in
1: yeah yeah, you know, I'll I'll close out with my thirty second as well. Like when I when I hear about ideas, I'm like, okay, like I need to know so much more. Um, and, and and the goal is to turn that idea into a plan. Like some of the questions going through my head is, okay, why are you building this? Who is your target audience? Who have you spoken to? How many people said they need this? How long till the product is ready? You know, what's your grand vision? Um, who are your competitors? Why are you better than the competitors? Who are you working on this with? Right, and so. The idea, everyone has an idea. And again, the goal is to turn it into a plan to figure out if you should build it. So the first step um, is validation, at least from my perspective. And I've tweeted out about it previously. And Andrew, you share that you guys have something really cool at day one. And I guess I'll have to get accepted into day one one day to maybe do that and learn what that secret tool is that you all use. But we have some people up here on the stage. So uh, in any particular, no particular order, William, Joash, or Taryn, if anyone has to go before three o'clock Mountain Time um, in the next four minutes, feel free to unmute and just say hi and tell us about anything you've heard so far.
3: Hi, guys. Uh, loving this conversation. I uh, really appreciate your perspectives there. And um, You know, Heather, like, uh, I do like to say, like, an idea, idea doesn't die in the dark, but it's, if it's a good idea, it's going to be done by somebody else in a slightly different way, you know, elsewhere. Um, because that's just, you know, how, uh, we'll address problems that we see in opportunities in our world. And so I've always loved practicing ideas just as a sense of brainstorming to get better at something. Um, and, uh, and then there's an idea that I, I came across. I don't want to say here or anything, but, uh, it was one I was like, oh, somebody's going to solve this problem, but it was fun to think about it and nobody solved it yet. Um, <laughs> and so it, <laughs> it's been eight years. Um, wow. And, really? Uh, do it you think it's it's still there do it no i know and it's so funny and and i find i you know i've talked to uh i have a a person who i'm going to be working with who's going to do like the designing aspect of it because it's about eight different materials uh to put it together into construction uh maybe a couple more that i'm not thinking of uh but it's uh you know to go from that design stage uh, my question is to go from basically where i am which is i have a bunch of notes and pictures and drawings and things about this idea Um, and I've got it to a place where somebody's like yeah I can I can design you that they've designed backpacks and and other products uh, with using different materials Uh, going from there where I have it let's just say design is there anything else I should be getting ready before going towards like one of these uh, accelerator groups uh, or somebody who can to can because I'm I'm looking to be like, present an opportunity that this addresses something?
1: Yeah. So William, you know, I'll I'll go first. And my my thought is, you said it earlier that I like, but then, then I'm a little bit scared now, because you're presenting a solution, you're not showing that someone else has the same problem. So an idea, the first step is to validate that more people have this problem, and confirm that you want to get a bunch of people, sometimes I say, talk to 12 people that aren't, going to just say nice things, right? The the Mom Test is a really good book uh, that helps you know how to ask the right questions. Um, I think that by Rob Fitzpatrick, if I got that wrong, apologies. Um, And so validate that idea exists, sorry, that problem exists with more people and then get into designs and solution mode. Most people get too far into the solution mode straight away and they start showing, hey, do you want this? And unless if you're Apple and Steve Jobs, you can go along that path of you know show people uh, what they're going to want and need and all that stuff. But early on with the startup idea, um, the goal is to figure out if anyone else also has that problem because otherwise you'll get stuck in uh, what is worldwide known as founder fit, where you think it's a great idea and a solution and no one else has that problem. Uh, but Andrew, back to you and Heather, what what do you think the first step is based on what?
0: No, actually, I mean, I was going to go the same place. So I could say it really fast and then pass the mic to Heather because you had, Saba said earlier about validation. William, The um, one, one of the simple frameworks for validation that I think a lot about, there's there's really three questions that you're asking yourself or you've, you've made three, every business has three assumptions which is people want it, I can build it or we can build it and it can make money, right? And unpacking those is every other assumption and you seem to have started to answer the assumption we can build it to Sabas point without necessarily going Well, it seems like you could go further and deeper on, do people want it, right? And do they want it enough to make it a viable business for you? So I would spend all my time there, (laughs) right? Out out with your customer, as Heather said, collide with the market. But Heather, want to round that one out?
2: Uh, Yeah, I'll just say that there there are different types of businesses. And so it's just worth being said, like to, to think about what type of trajectory you want your business to be. Are you selling a product and you're going to be making revenue and then you're going to be building your business off of the revenue and it's a physical product? Or are you thinking about building this as a venture scalable business and what the, what the kind of the landscape has to be in order for that to make sense um, from, from a, you know, an economic standpoint? And so those are two very different tracks. And it's just worth calling out that when you're, when you're doing a business idea in the beginning here, um, to know which, which track makes sense for the business that you're building. Is it more of a technology-centered uh, business where you're going to have high margins? And be able to scale quickly, um, or is it a is it a more of a lifestyle business where your services are products and and you really want to just make sure that you have product uh, that people want and and you know one of I think Andrew might have touched on it too like the, the number one reason why startups fail is because the product isn't needed or or wanted in the market and so that's a lot of timing but it's also um, uh, just the point of Saba and Andrew the validation phase. Um,
1: I love of it the three things are people want it i can build it people pay for it i i will i'll add a asterisk and, and confirm uh it doesn't the end user doesn't have to pay for it right maybe there is a a different payer maybe you're getting money through uh uh fees or or um i, I guess selling data in, in any sense of way so bottle. don't yeah. feel like it has to be yeah, yeah, it could be future, like, if you've got enough volume of users, you know, eventually how you can uh, make money through ads and stuff like that. So that's correct, right, Andrew? Like, it's not just people have to pay for right then and then, no, it could be a can make now, money. two years from now, the plan. yeah, It
0: can make yeah. money. And yeah, I mean, gosh, we should jump on to the next one, but I'll triple down what Heather said. Like, she's the only VC who will say, stop and think, do you have a venture? Like, it's the wisest, it's really the first things first, right? Know what trajectory you're you think you're on. So... Yeah, William. I mean, it sounds like you're on, onto, like, an interesting, exciting thing that you said has not been tapped for a long time. That's that's the universe telling you to, like, make it happen. <laughs> don't let it go. Don't let it go nine God. years before, before Thanks, someone tries.
1: So. <laughs> yeah, William, thank you. Great question. And, and good luck with that uh, idea and navigation. Josh, tell us about uh, what you're working on. Uh, yeah. Or what, whatever yeah, sure.
4: Uh, firstly, I wanted to echo kind of what you guys are saying earlier about writing it down. Uh, I kind of have a very good uh, detailed example uh, if you want me to go into it. But So we launched a telemedicine business uh, towards the early start of COVID in India. And the fact that we wrote it down and actually fleshed out the idea and kind of actually wrote out everything that we did, the problem was we just ignored the document, which was probably the world's worst idea. Uh, probably a very big lesson that I learned. Don't ignore something that you write because you've written it down. Uh, and because of that, we effectively ended up, the business ended up failing because we kind of ignored the original logic that we set out. But it was a great lesson in terms of actually writing it down and admittedly, I've taken that forward in terms of the current idea that I'm working on. And kind of similar to William, um, uh, especially my business, my idea that the moment I'm working on basically started about three years ago, and it turned out like basically when I started, I was like, "Oh, okay, this is a, this is a great concept." Um, I'll let me share a bit about the idea just to kind of give you context. So, I'm working on a product management platform uh, that looks to help on uh, product teams uh, effectively build products faster and simpler, as well as reducing the amount of time they spend actually uh, working on manual tasks, such as creating PowerPoints, writing um, writing user stories, and everything associated to product management, and it's kind of speeding that up and accelerating that. Um, so I guess I have like a, a quick question in terms of like, so right now, the one thing I tend to do is always question my idea, being like, is this right? Is this still working? Is this a is this good thing to work on? <laughs> Even though I've done like a lot of validation. So I've done like, uh, I've spoken to a lot of users, like product managers. I worked in the industry for the last five years. Uh, I've also um, like sort of done user interviews as well. So like, how often should you keep questioning it? And at what point should you stop <laughs> questioning and just keep going with it?
1: Love it. Heather? A billion
2: dollar question for sure. I mean, I always say doubt the doubt. Look, if you're doubting something it it might not ever turn out the way that you think it's going to be but you need to keep on validating you you need to keep on seeing where the market's showing that there's something there and if it's there just keep keep building at it I mean I think that there's really one reason why businesses (laughs) fail (laughs) it's like you give up on it I mean if you go long enough you will find uh i I really do feel like you will find something there it might be very different than what you set out to do and maybe it's not right for you personally to keep it going or maybe you're not able to get funding i mean there's so many different ways but um but for sure it's going to be a slog and if you kind of think about start stopping it because you're not seeing the immediate traction then you know you're not gonna be able to go the distance you really have to continue to um to hammer it and you know there's that saying like a you know overnight success takes 10 years i mean i'm not saying go and stay stay with something for 10 years but really all of these companies that you see in the media that they've raised hundreds of millions of dollars or they're you know the next big thing or whatever they started 10 years ago it's never overnight and so this is a slow process and it's and it is not for the weary (laughs) starting businesses is not for the weary so keep at it
0: yeah so real doubt the doubt i'm gonna steal that one i um i i usually say like one of the first things when i'm you know syncing up with a founder is i'm looking to understand uh which side of this spectrum are you on right are you a little bit too much um in your analysis paralysis or or, or are you overthinking or are you underthinking right and um the sort of art of being a founder is to to find that middle ground right to both um to both have a ton of optimism and confidence in your thesis and what you're doing, but also to be the biggest critic, right? And to be rigorous and you have to be a little schizophrenic to play both sides. So, um, and almost nobody has it proper perfectly right. Most people are just oscillating back and forth. And that's part of the, <laughs> the craziness of being a founder is those emotions, right? This is never going to work, but staying at it or feeling jubilant, but then bringing yourself back down. So I would, I would, my, Intuition based on your two minute uh, overview is, you know, keep pushing hard, like keep talking to you're never doing the wrong thing if you're talking to another customer or another user. Um, But also, what's the next thing? Like, what's the next big assumption related to do people want this? Can I build it or will this make money that you can go validate that you can go really really learn about and really prove right do you need to put a a test into market do you need to build something and see if people start to buy it versus talking about it right and so if you're over indexing too far into one area you got to kind of get into the next one and push forward and push forward there
5: hey andrew it's taryn i'm gonna hey uh, tag along on that hi (laughs) um you know, I think once you get to that question of do people want this, there are three really simple questions that you can ask yourself. Um, how do you get a person to use something twice? Can you get a paying client to buy something twice? And how much will it cost you to get them to do that? And then you're starting to figure out some of the unit economics of your of what your business looks like. Because I think one of the you know w- one of the things that you that the speakers have all been um, sharing about is the, sort of how to navigate um f- whether or not an idea should become a business and the question that i had is um you know what's or, or the point that i really wanted to make before jumping on to andrew's uh, comment is as soon as you start selling something i think it's really important to have business documents and agreements between the founders or agreements between the founding team because um you know, another place where I've seen uh, very, very, very early stage startups have issues. It's really conflicts around what the initial structure of the business is going to look like, um, which I don't think gets a, as much attention, but I think um, is really important. And that, you know, once, you're, once you start approaching investors, they're going to want to see that you have um, agreements in place.
2: I think that's great. Wait, Taryn, will you just um, say a little bit about yourself, your founder and an investor? I'd love to hear a little bit more.
5: Oh, sure. Um, Sure. Um, Heather's heard this a few times. Um, I was an investigative and documentary producer for 10 years. Um, Then I started a company called Ingredient One that personalized the grocery store Uh, that got acquired by Target in 2016. And then I launched Liminal Ventures in 2018 and we are in the middle of making our ninth investment right now.
2: Very thoughtful investors. So if you're looking at early stage and um, all the way up to, you do later stage too, but-
5: uh, Uh, Yeah, seeded in series A, mostly. Thank you, thanks. Mostly uh, health, wellness, media, but it's very opportunistic.
1: That's awesome. Terran, hang out with us up here and and, and, uh, we'll keep uh, the content flowing. A couple things that came to mind from what these awesome people just shared. Uh, by the way, it's making me realize that I'm totally not qualified to be here because you're also smart and a uh, uh, pleasure to be learning uh, from you all as well. A couple of things that I think around uh, something that Josh said that I think is just broadly applicable. Um, and these two things are completely opposite. One, uh, you have to keep at it and make it happen. If you don't build it, no one will. So, you know, work on that idea. And then... The other piece of advice is no one to quit, <laughs> right? Like, it, it's one of the, you only you know exactly what the right thing is to do and, and it, talk to 50 people and you'll get you know, 51 different types of answers and guidance and only you will know what to do. But I boil it down to one thing that if you're trying to turn an idea uh, into a business, um, really building a startup isn't a choice. It's not like, hey, I, you know, I might do this. Or, hey, I could do this, it's not that. I think it's something that keeps you up at night that's like, I need to solve this problem and I need to make it happen. Otherwise, if you're often finding yourself doing other things um, and you don't keep coming back to this specific idea, then you probably don't care about it enough. And so, again, I'll say it again, building a startup isn't a choice, right? When When I tell this to founders, they often say, yes, it was a calling. It was, I had to work on this and do nothing else and I get what you mean by that. And so my humble advice is, is the same, right? Is it a calling that you're thinking, I have to do this or not?